The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Pastor Dave, uh, and um, I just want to begin with showing some pictures. We had a a men's retreat this past weekend, so we had 32 guys going on a trip, and I, I'm going to suppose about 31 of us are walking like this today because of the activities we did, so um, uh, we had time for discussion. We talked about walking in our faith, growing in our faith with God uh, individually with a, with a prayer partner, and then also just growing as leaders. Uh, the next picture starts showing some of the things we did. Uh, Jess and Eli decided to look alike contest. It was, they by far won, by far. You never knew who you were talking to across the field. And then uh, that was Joel and Curtis praying for their disc golf match. Uh, that was kind of, uh, we played a lot of board games. This specific game is about um, being on a, an island, and you have to decide who, uh, who you're going to need to kick off the island. And, um, and anyway, it's a blast. It's really loud. Okay, next, the next one. This one was uh, Kevin destroying that clay pigeon. That thing did good. And then and a lot of high fives for guys just giving it their all. We, we'll just say that we tried hard, right? We tried hard. Most of us don't do this very regularly, but it was a good time. And then uh, we had a nice tournament of, of throwing plastic discs in, into this thing. So anyway, I just want to say this to you guys. Thank you, uh, moms and wives and people in the church that freed us up to go do this. Um, it really is one of the gr- greatest weekends that I get to have, and I know for many of the guys, too. It's just special. Um, you don't get to have sleepovers when you're 46 very much, but if you do this, you do. So it's, it's pretty fun. Not a lot of sleeping, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, a, good, it's a really good time with firesides and, and just spending some time away. Um, so if you didn't get to go this year, I hope next year, first weekend in November, the first one after um, Halloween, and we always try to do it when we get the extra hour of sleep because we needed it today. So thank you. Thank you guys for, for making it church after being at church all weekend. Um, let me pray as we get started in our, our sermon uh, today as we're going into Romans 3 and 4. Jesus, we thank you that as we sing about you and that we would have lives to magnify you. We desire that and we want to do that because we know that you have done the work, that we, we can stand because you stood and stand before God for us. And Jesus, it is your name, it is your, um, your desire uh, that we would see that your name and your character and who you are and what you have done and what you are doing is the most important thing. And maybe we be a church who studies your scriptures and continues to highlight and see how you need and how you are and how a life that magnifies you is a life that's most satisfied because it's a foundation. It's a way to live that makes sense and goes into eternity in your kingdom. So help us understand Romans 3 and 4 today. And may we recognize that we are always in need and always have places uh, to learn. Uh, continue to help those spaces in our lives be aligned to your will. It's in your name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, we're going to begin uh, the, the ending of Romans chapter 3 and then into uh, Romans chapter 4 today. Um, we are in a series about just seeing that there's a beautiful uh, 
story of the power of God for the salvation for sinners. And from week to week, we've been discussing the argument of how in the world can an imperfect human uh, be adopted into a perfect family of God. And it's not easy. Like there has to, a lot of work had to be done. But what we're going to see today is that a lot of work that needed to be done is not done by us. And just to highlight Romans 3, 23 and 24 from last week, because we'll be, we'll be picking up in 27, um, a key, key passage in all of scriptures says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is the sacrificial substitute that Paul wants us to be reminded of and over and again is pointing to that it is grace that is justification by faith alone. And that's where we're going today. So Paul continues, this is what we're picking up today. This is new passages, um, if you've been going through with us. Romans 3, 27, and 28. We'll kind of do a couple verses at a time. Then, what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So point number one today is we rejoice and not boasting. And that's a very awkward sentence. I'm going to say it again. We rejoiced, we rejoice in not boasting. And as I began to think through this idea of boasting, it's throughout um, the New Testament, this idea that Christians should not boast. Um, We're going to talk about that some today. And I think there's a, a great many implications, and it's good that boasting is excluded or not allowed. So I just want to share about four. First of all, that when there's no boasting, the focus is on God and humility versus um, a religion that's based on self and pride. So the shift is so good that it goes from a natural expectation that this life is about ourselves and moves to a life that's about God. That's what comes from a no-boasting religion. Secondly, we have unity versus competition. Unity versus competition because there's no boasting. So we can celebrate it, because in a Christian community, it emphasizes that the salvation is, is equal amongst all of us. We are not uh, more saved or less saved based on our background or based on our parents' faith or based on which country we're from or our social status or even our moral history. Amen? It's not how good you were or bad you were before that allows you to be saved. It's equal. It is God working. There is no boasting in the Christian faith. Thirdly, it's a joy in receiving. It's a receiving faith, a receiving religion, a receiving form of viewing God because he is the giver. He's the one who gets all the glory for salvation. We don't get a little bit of it, but he gets all of it. And there's a joyous response for us as people who can be receivers and grateful receivers. And lastly, as we kind of, you can probably guess, there's this, there's this freedom of being dependent versus living a life of anxiety, wondering always if you're doing enough. 
Am I doing enough? There's, a, there's an anxiety to that. Maybe you've been a part of some churches or religions where that's part of the rhythm of life when it comes to faith. And uh, what I want to uh, put before us today, what I hope that we walk away from is that living a life of dependence is actually free. It's actually good. And as we read last week from Romans 3.24 that we're justified by his grace as a gift, today in 28 we read, for we hold that no one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. For we hold that one, sorry, that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And this idea of justified by faith means that, and we're going to spend some time here, when you're justified, it means that all your sins are forgiven. And it's just. It's, you've, been, you've been saved from hell uh, to heaven. You've, been, you've recognized that there is a balance of mercy and grace upon your life that you can now be justified. And I just want to spend some time talking about four words that are very, very... Uh, often found in Romans, but we, we, we'll talk about them at church fairly frequently, but we don't quite understand how maybe they all associate with one another. And, and I know there's different uh, ages of maturity of Christianity in the room. Some people are young in their faith and young in age, and there's people old in their faith and old in their faith. And there's some people with that crisscross that. But my, my desire is that we never assume that once we get a word figured out that like, let's just move on to a more complicated word, a, a longer word, more ologies and aesthetics and things of that nature at the end of some of these words. So I just want to go to the next slide here, these, this idea of mercy, grace, justified, and faith. Because if you don't know these words, you're not going to understand Romans 4 all the way to 15. You're not going to understand much at all. And I think having some vocabulary will help us um, move forward. And, and these are the English words. We're not even going to go into the Greek. These are just the English words that we find regularly through the scriptures. And if somebody came up to you in a parking lot from the news and said, hey, describe mercy. Like, hey, describe grace. Hey, describe what's justified. I mean, you're like, ah, I don't know. But maybe after this morning, you'd be maybe more excited about answering that question. So when I think of mercy, and we think of mercy today, um, we need to recognize that mercy is this um, not getting something. Mercy is not getting something. And for example, in the scriptures, we're not getting a punishment that we deserve. So uh, you don't get something horrible. Even though you've been horrible, you don't have to get that horror put upon you. So the word and the thing that helps me understand mercy is the word hell. Hell is the punishment in the scriptures that we find for those that have not had Jesus go through hell for you, but you have to go, your sins must be punished. We, it's called hell. We use that word a lot. And on Netflix, it's a lot. You know, it's used a lot. Like the word hell, like going through hell is a, is a common thing. And we understand it's negative. It's bad. It's heavy. It's weighty. It's, it's a punishment. But mercy is removing the punishment. Okay? So it's not getting something you deserve. So what's grace? Well, grace is kind of like the beautiful opposite. Okay, that's not a good way to say that. It's the inverse that's also beautiful as mercy. So grace, it rhymes, it, it starts with the same letters, gift. So grace and gift, they kind of go together. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. So if hell is my example for mercy, heaven is my example for grace. It's like a gift. We get heaven even though we don't deserve it. 
So sometimes they're not, the words aren't synonymous, but they both kind of mean really good things. You give mercy to somebody because you're not going punish to them, punish them. You're going to give grace to somebody because they don't deserve it, but you're going to give them something anyway. So as we look through the idea of defining uh, what's justified by faith mean, justified means receiving mercy and grace. Because with God, there's not a middle ground. There's not a, I kind of, I don't want the punishment, but I don't want God. You don't, you don't get that. You get mercy and grace with God, and that's called being justified. That means being made righteous, from unrighteous to righteous. That's this word, justified. It's a right relationship with God because you now have a righteousness that lets you stand rightly with him. So for example, say you commit a horrible crime and you go to court. This just judge there, he's just, and he says, you don't have to pay the fine or the time. What would that be? Mercy or grace? Mercy. It's hard, right? We're starting to figure this out. Like, that's mercy. You don't have to pay the penalty. But then he says, oh, and by the way, here's a car and a house. Grace. That's a good court. Right? It's not real in human terms because that judge would be out. Right? That's, that judge is not allowed to do that. But God, in his infinite mercy and infinite grace, in a punishment being paid by someone else, his substitute punishment, that's Jesus in our place, he says, you don't have to pay the fine or do the time. And by the way, here's a house and a few cars. You're like, wow. That's mercy and grace. And because of what Jesus has done, it is justified. So, what does it mean by faith? Well, I have a, have a picture here for you that would help describe. When I think of faith, this is what I think of. This is a story. Maybe you've heard this story. This is, this is a guy named the Great Blondin. You may not have ever met him. He, he died a long time ago. 1860 is when he did this feat. He pushed a wheelbarrow across a tightrope, across Niagara Falls. It's like a 1,000 feet across. I've never done that, right? That's kind of cool, right? I've never seen that, right? And I just picture the great Blondin saying, hey, everybody, the crowd, there's, there's a crowd there on the, on, the, on, on the side watching him, and he's doing this great feat, and he... He, he pushes this wheelbarrow across. He's like, hey, guys, you think I can do it? They're all cheering. You can do it, right? And he gets to the other side. And he, he puts a puppy dog inside the wheelbarrow. He's like, guys, you think I can do that? They're like, yeah, you can do it. He pushes the puppy dog back across, right? And then he's like, you guys think I can push a person? They're like, yeah, push a person. And he's like, who's going to go? And all the hands go down. Like literally, since I was 12, this is how I think of faith. This story, okay? This story is how I think of faith. How many of you guys think I can push a person across? Seems like faith. 
Who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? We ain't got no faith. What does justified by faith mean? It means that with your mouth, in your heart, in your feet, in your hands, you say, yes, I believe. I trust you, Jesus. Whatever you say, let's go. Faith is belief with action. It leads to action. It's this idea of trusting. It's this idea of not just hoping a little bit. Jesus Christ was the substitute for your sin. Do you stand confidently before God one day and go, yes, I put my faith in Jesus. This is my home. You are my father. Point number one today. We rejoice in not boasting because it's Jesus who did all the work. We got to rest in his work. So my question for today, in what areas of your life do you need to turn your spiritual boasting into humility and repentance? And I know we're not a church that walks around, well, most of us that, that I'm aware of, we don't walk around saying, you stink and I'm awesome, right? That's, that's, not, that's not the attitude of people in, in our community. But maybe in your, your heart or your head and you think through a, a person, maybe you think through somebody in your family and you kind of begin to feel boastful because your life's not as crazy as theirs and they're not listening to your advice and you're like, I'm pretty good. I'm closer to God than they are. Look at all the stuff that I'm doing. And that's things we need to re be repentant of. We need to recognize that we're not closer to God because we do a couple more things better than some people around us. And we need to repent of those things. That means turn and say, God, I'm sorry that I've owned some of my faith and I've taken some of the, the wheelbarrow guy's balance. Like, you're like, hey, buddy, you push, but I'll do the balancing, okay? Like, no, we don't do the balancing. You sit as still as possible, right? You're like, I trust you. I trust you. You sit as still as possible because... He is going to do all the work. And that's my hope for us, is that we're a church that continually evaluates. What am, I, what am I owning in my faith? That's really just all Jesus doing the work in me. So our first point today was we rejoice in not boasting, which proves the kind of faith and expectation and dependency that God wants for us. Let's continue reading. 3, 28. For we hold... That no one, that, I'm sorry, I keep saying no one. That's, that's incorrect theology, okay? For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith. By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. We're going to stop there. Point number two. Faith saves, then we obey. Faith saves, then we obey. Do you see what Paul's kind of anticipating here in his letter to the 
church in Rome, Paul could hear some of the readers say, well, if it's only faith in Jesus for the grace and mercy of God, then my works don't even matter at all. In the famous phrase we find in the New Testament from Paul's, by no means, we should not throw out the law. Our sin, yours and mine, it deeply affects us. And what our sin does, same as Adam and Eve in the garden, it kind of tells us that we want to be in control, that we want to be God. That if we could just prove to God how good we are, that, man, I made some good decisions today. Look, I, I didn't just put the dishes in when they were done. I put the dishes away. It wasn't even my turn. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what's like, what? Like, like we, try, we try to build ourselves up that, man, we're proving to God how good we are. You know what happens when we do that? We put God in our debt. Well, God, you owe me now because look how good I've been. What happens when we have this attitude? Well, we could then boast. But there's no boasting in the Christian faith. So this must be false. We cannot earn our way into the kingdom of God. But this is so common for us as humans. Even if you did a man on the street interview and you just asked random people if they thought they were going to heaven or hell, most would say if they believed in this at all, they would say heaven, I would say. And if you asked why, they would say, I'm pretty good. I'm not as bad as these other human beings that I've read about are now. It's like there's some sort of expectation that as people, if we feel like as judges of our own lives, we feel like, hey, oh, I did more good today than yesterday. That's, that sounds good to have 51% more good, you know, then um, I deserve heaven. The problem is there's nothing in the Bible about that. There's no words from God to humans that say that's how he works. And what does Paul say? For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It's not about how many good things you did. It's how you're justified. It's by faith alone. Then why do we need to uphold the law? Because clearly Jesus gave a bunch of guides for us, a bunch of, bunch of commands. The Old Testament's full of laws. Paul says we uphold the law. So this is where we need to go all the way back to Abraham. So Abraham is the father of the Jews. It's when God showed up to a man named Abram and said, you're going to be the father of my people group, which we know now as the Jews, the Israelites. So God came to Abraham in Genesis 12. Let's just read this intro story. Genesis 12, 1, it'll be up on the screen. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred in your father's house to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and, and you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's a prophecy of Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. And how did Abram reply? He went. And we find in 12 and 15 and 17, these interactions, which we'll read a couple of those. But Paul's going to use this 
interaction, this example, in all of chapter four. We won't read all of it today, but this is what Paul's going to use to say, hey, it's faith, not works, is how you're saved. You can't boast. So let's read Romans 4 as we continue through our Roman study. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we count this faith, as faith in Jesus, that Jesus was the substitute death on the cross for our sin. You count that faith as righteousness, not the works. So here's the argument. If one is justified by faith apart from works, then what about Abraham? What about his life, the father of the nation that Paul's a part of? Would we have something to boast about if he was justified by works? How did he become righteous? Well, we just read, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteous. This is from Genesis 15. And he, God, brought about him, Abraham, outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you were able to number them, Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. There was this this faith that happened, this sort of get in the wheelbarrow moment where Abraham's like, yes, you can do it and I will sit and you will be the one in my life who guides. So Paul's using Abraham's faith to point out that it's faith before it works. And then Paul brings up this contrast, this more ideas of of giving versus earning, and he uses this idea of of a wage. So let's take, for example, say you started a job, and it's a pretty hard job, and you work for a couple weeks, and your boss comes by with a check on Friday, and he says, here you go. I thought I would give you a gift. And you're like, great. And you look at it, it's just your paycheck. And you're like, what are you talking about? This, this is my paycheck. And he's like, no, this one's on me. It's a gift. He's like, no, because that's not what it is. You can't change vocabulary. It's no longer a gift. It's literally something that you earned. But say on the first day of your job, the boss comes by and hands you a check for a few thousand dollars. You say, what's this for? He's like, I'm just giving it to all the employees because I feel like it. Like, I love working here. This is amazing. You're very generous. Is every Monday like this? Like, you know, like, it's like you, you begin to understand like, oh, that's a gift. This generosity where the employees get it. Your faith is a gift. Your salvation is is a gift. Your justification, right standing with God, is a gift. You do not earn it. If you are earning it, you are no longer believing the Bible. And I would say you're no longer in the Christian faith. Because for you, 
the gospel plus whatever you think is that's your religion. You started adding to the teachings of the scriptures and the teachings of, of Jesus and his apostle. Let's continue reading. Remember, we're talking about faith and then works. Romans 4, 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. It's from Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That's mercy, right? Not counting your sin, not punishing you. That's mercy. God has been forgiving sins for generations. Now Paul's going to use the obedience and the order of faith, faith and then works, to prove that it is the faith first that does the saving, not the faith and then the works that does the saving. Romans 4, 9. Is this blessing then for only the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Pause. This would be for the Jews and the non-Jews. Okay, circumcised is the Jews. This uncircumcised would be the non-Jews. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith of our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So here's the problem. The Jews, as we've discussed in chapter 2 and 3, the Jews are relying on this sign, this symbol, like, oh, the Jews, we have circumcision. So look, it's the circumcision that saves us. The very, the very seal or the very sign became the new mode. The works became the new mode. And this happens in the church. You might even ask somebody if they're going to heaven, That's like a a general way to talk about faith or do you know God? Their answer would be, I go to church. We've made, I go to church as a, I'm now a Christian because I do this thing because my culture has taught me that. Or even more specifically, um, take a baptism. I've been baptized. I did the sign So if we just baptize everybody, then we're good. The problem is, it's the symbol of what's happened in the heart. And then we break it because we just want to get to the work. I did this thing, so now you owe me heaven. Here's my baptism card, God. It was December 7th. You know, it's like, what? What? No. When was your heart changed? And then as we just read an entire paragraph of the pattern or the timeline of Abraham's righteousness, 
He was made righteous before he was circumcised. Just like I believe today, if you give your life to Jesus today, you're a Christian today. But we would love to baptize you because that's in obedience what Jesus said to do. Don't become a Christian. Stay alone. Stay secret. Become a Christian and tell the world. At least tell your community. What a glorious celebration we had a couple weeks ago with five baptisms. These students who said yes to God. And we talked to them about their decision. We talked to the parents about the decision. We prayed with them. We have a thing called a gospel class because we want to make sure that we don't confuse them. My hope for you is if you look back and you say, oh, my baptism, that's why I get to go to heaven. I hope that you have a story before the baptism where you say, I believed God. I trusted God. I got in the wheelbarrow and said, God, you do all the work. I trust you. So point number two today was faith saves and then we obey. We don't throw out the commands of Jesus. But because we trust Jesus and are thankful and grateful, we live out of a, an abundance of faith going, I believe you, God. Whatever you say, I want to do because I trust that you have love for me and care for me and you want me to live this life to the full. And I want to end today um, with this question. Is your salvation from faith or are you still working? There's a way to sing these songs we sing today. There's a way to come up and take communion where you feel like, oh good, I'm making God happy. I hope he lets me in. But I hope you don't live that way. What a life of anxiety wondering if you're doing enough. What I want to give you today is the truth. This entire chapter, it is faith in Christ alone. Christianity is a faith of no boasting. Here's a passage from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that hopefully becomes more to light because we've studied Romans chapter 3 and 4 today. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a pretty good summary, I think. I wish I would have wrote that. I mean, it's Paul, but like that's what Paul's saying in a couple chapters. But he says it very succinctly here. And my hope is that Ephesians 2, 8, 9 becomes something you just write on your hearts. You just recognize, God, thank you for this day. Thank you that you give me a faith to believe in you today. I can walk in freedom and dependency today. You do all the work through me. Today we talked about we rejoice in not boasting, and faith saves, then we obey. Let's pray for this for our community. Father, we thank you that you have done all the work. We thank you that, that there is no boasting allowed in Christianity. And if we boast, we only boast in you. The goodness, the greatness, the self-sacrificing Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes the sin, the sin of the world away, and that's me. Thank you for the freedom, the joy of living a life pointing to you and not trying to clean myself up. Thank you for your salvation. And all God's people said, amen. That's good.